Turn please this evening to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. For the last several weeks on Friday nights, we've been ministering on the subject of, we call it, separate from sin. Separate from sin. Now in modern times, sin is not a popular word. Have you noticed that? It's found in the Bible a lot. (laughs) But sin's not a popular concept. In fact, if you'll notice, people have cleverly removed sin, the word sin, from vocabulary and vernacular. When talking about somebody in the uh, uh, church that's fallen into sin, somebody say, well, what about so-and-so? Well, they have a problem. But they're working on it. What does that mean? Well, yeah, they have a problem, but they're receiving counseling and they're working on it. Well, they have a problem with lying, but they're working on it. It's a problem. They have a problem with stealing. Yeah, they have a problem with affairs, but they're working on it. Well, now, what does that mean? They have a problem of uh, lying, stealing, sleeping around, but they're working on it. What does that mean? Well, they're making good progress. What does that mean? They were up to three affairs a month and now they're down to one. They were up to 20 lies a day and they've cut it back to half, 10. No, no. What it means is that people are in sin and they haven't repented. Are you with me now? Because no child of God has to sin. Are you with me now? No child of God has to sin. The very fact that we are to repent and confess our sins and ask the Lord to forgive us shows we are responsible. If we couldn't help it, we shouldn't be expected to repent because it's not our fault. And a lot of times people try to leave that impression, don't they? Well, I, it was just so big, it just overwhelmed me, and next thing I knew, it just happened. Have you ever heard that? It just happened. No, it didn't just happen. You crossed the line way back, right? You know, uh, one time a little boy kept falling out of bed, and he's sleeping, and his uh, mom came and asked him, so what happened? He said, I guessed I just stayed too close to where I got in at. What does that mean? He stayed too close to where he got in it. He stayed too close to the edge. It's hard to fall off the bed when you're in the middle of the bed. Anybody know where I'm going with this now? Huh? And a lot of Christians, they stay too close to where they got in it. Well, you mean where they got in to the Lord, where they got into the things of God. A lot of folks, bless their hearts, just, you know, ignorance, but they Try to see how close they can live in the old life without being lost. Well, then you're hanging on to the edge. It ain't going to be a shock to hear that you fell out to bed. Right? (laughs) Well, they fell. Well, shouldn't be surprising. You know, look at how they're living. But is there a way to live close to God 
in the middle, in the center of the perfect will of God and plan of God for your life. And is that a safe place? When you're in the middle of the perfect will of God, you can even get moved some and you're still in the will of God. How many don't understand what I'm talking about? You've got some uh, margin, I like to call it. Room. You know, I fly airplanes all the time. And you have to figure your performance. Well, if they say, you know, it's a hot day and you got a heavy load and you need 3,700 feet to take off on this. Well, and the runway is 3,750 feet. That's not much margin. I don't like that because, I mean, you do anything less than perfect and you're off the end. It's happened. You hear it on the news. It says you need 2,000 feet to land and it's 2,500 feet. All you got to do is float for a few extra seconds before you touch down. 1,001, 1,002, we're off the runway. I like margin. How many know what I'm talking? Mar- Give me an extra thousand feet. You might know what I'm talking about? Give me some room. So that way, if I'm off just a little bit, I'm still okay. Right? If I burn up a few extra hundred feet of runway, I got extra two thousand. Right? We ought to live close to God. In the center of His will, then if you did get off a little bit, it's not necessarily catastrophic. Right? You're already where you need to be. Now, uh, let's read this passage and review a little bit. 2 Corinthians 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. New Living. You read whatever you have there. Verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? Now, he's asking us questions, so let's answer them. What's the answer? He can't. How can light live with darkness? It can't. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None. And every time I read that, I think about all of the Christians and ministers and seminaries that teach some form of God and the devil working together. They might not come out and just say it that plain, but when you boil it down, that's what it amounts to, that God is using the devil. They have some kind of a working relationship. I know it's not good English, but I'm telling you, it ain't so. Anybody know what I mean? Do you understand? It is not true. How can God work with the devil? No. They have no communion. They have no fellowship. The devil is evil. God is good, right? The devil's a destroyer. God's a healer. Hallelujah. The devil is a worker of death. God is life himself. Can you say amen? Amen. No, they're not working together. They have no harmony, no agreement. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Many have tried, but it doesn't work. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? None. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I'll live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. 
Therefore, come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. The NIV says, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Do we have something to do to keep ourselves clean? The blood of the Lamb has washed away our sins and made us clean and made us righteous. No amount of good works could ever accomplish that. But having made us clean, having made us right in the sight of God, we read last week Jesus has been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Having done this, still we are to walk in purity, aren't we? And that's not something God does for us or that anybody else can do for us. Did you read that verse again? This is New Testament, you remember? 2 Corinthians 7, 1, what does it say? What does it say? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Who's going to do this? We, if we don't do it, will it happen? No. Let us cleanse ourselves. Are there things in this world, in this life that will contaminate you, that will defile you? Even though you've been washed in the blood, even though you've been sanctified and cleansed by the Lord, can you still defile yourself? Not just outside, can you defile yourself inside? What'd that say? Let us cleanse ourselves from what? Read it out loud. All filthiness of what? Of the flesh. That's the outward man. And what? That's the inward man. Are there things that you can get involved in? Things that you can become a part of, fellowship with. Things that you can watch and listen to and be a part of that will defile you. That will contaminate you. Yes. How does that affect you? In other areas of life. Can you have the full blessing of God on your life. Even though you're contaminated with all kinds of sin. Now you know some people haven't talked as much about this. Because they have the idea. Well as long as I'll just make some confessions. And try to exercise faith. It doesn't really matter about all that other stuff. But does it? It does. And we're going to get into that some tonight. We're going to talk about the effects of sin. Do you understand the Lord wants us to be free and separate from sin? Not just, you know, the devil will try to tell you, oh, well, if you don't sin, you won't have any fun. <laughs> the Lord's not against fun. You know what he's against? Death. Which is why he tells us not to sin because the wages or the results of sin is death. The devil will try to tell you it's fun. But all the while, it's killing you. Is that right? You look at everything that is is sin, and it is 
killing you in some area. See, the Lord told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the forbidden fruit. You do. In the day you do, you'll die. Well, did they die physically that day? No. But did they die? Yeah. They died on the inside right then. And was death working in them? It worked in their minds. It worked in their bodies for year after year. It took the devil nearly a thousand years to figure out how to kill them. Did you hear me? We weren't made to die. That's why your body fights it. Even when you're a Christian. And even when you know that when you leave your body, you're going straight home to be with the Lord. When death latches hold of your body, something in you wants to fight. Originally, that was not God's plan. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, God took them in death. As though death was a tool of God. But that's contrary to Scripture. 1 Corinthians tells us in the 15th chapter, death is the last enemy that will be put underfoot. It's an enemy. Guys, you need to be a little bit stronger about that. Do you understand? Death is an enemy. Let's get our words right. Let's get it in line with the Bible. One of these days, you know, uh, even when we... uh, When we have funerals and and when we see our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord and they've left their bodies and then their bodies are put into the ground, even over the grave, we ought to be able to look over and say, oh grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your, why? Why? Because this ain't the end. This is not God's blessing. This is not of God. But soon and very soon, the trump's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to be raised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there'll be no more death, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more pain. If sorrow and pain and death was the will of God, it'd be with us forever. Right? Because God's going to be with us forever. No, it's not. It wasn't a part of his original plan. It's not his plan for our future. But in the meantime, you and I can live victoriously. And even when having to deal with death, we can still shout to victory and say, hey, it ain't over. Amen. <laughs> right? You can stand over the graveside and say, it ain't over. Amen. It ain't over. This ain't the end. Amen. This ain't the end at all. And it is such a wonderful thing to be free from the fear of death. Amen. Because people that are so afraid of death, it's because they believe it's the end. That's it. That's the end. But when you know the truth, you're not afraid of death. Right? right. You know, I've heard stories of uh, individuals who were on the field in different places where Christianity was not accepted at all. And uh, where that they were threatened. And and as one individual was telling one time, somebody put a gun in his face. And he said, I'm going to kill you right now. And the guy said, I'm ready. Are you? He's pressing the barrel against his head. Do you not understand? I'm going to blow your head off. He said, so. Amen. I'm saved. Yeah. Are you? Amen. He said, the guy started shaking <laughs> under conviction. What can't see? The devil can't do anything with a person who will not fear death. Because every fear is based on that fear. Oh, come on now, guys. Do you understand this? Every fear that a person can have is based on that. Some form of death. And when you're not afraid of death at all, it's hard for the devil to do anything with you. 
you'll go anywhere. You'll do anything. Why? Somebody said, what if you die? Well, if the Lord tarries is coming, we all going to die. Hmm? Not afraid to die. Not afraid to die. I know uh, my dad uh, had a heart attack some years ago. And uh, he was in a rough way. In fact, he said he was leaving his body. He said he saw light. He was leaving his body. He knows God. He said he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, is it time for me to go? And the Lord said, no. Do you know you can go before your time? A lot of people have. Ecclesiastes says, why should you die not in your time? You can die before the season for you to go. A lot of people have. And he said when he heard the Lord say to him, no, he started to fight. You got to fight. And he fought and he fought and he made it back. And uh, not long after that, he was in the hospital and the doctors were just shaking their head going, man, he, you know, everything is messed up. I mean, his kidneys and his blood pressure is on the floor and everything else. And we believed God every day. We just put our faith on one thing. I asked him, so what's the most important thing? He said, well, his blood pressure has got to come up for him to live. I said, all right. So we put our faith on that. We'd speak to it. And it came up that day. So what's the next thing? Well, his kidneys. His kidneys have got to start working. We put our faith on his kidneys. They begin working the next day. And just step by step. Well, next thing you know, he's sitting up in bed. You know, he's talking. And the doctors, they said, you know, well, they pulled me aside. So, well, he has to do this and he has to do that. I said, well, now I don't know that he will. He's the kind of guy I never want to go to the doctor at all. And, and I said, I don't know that he will. They said, well, he has to. I said, no, <laughs> he doesn't has to. They said, well, don't you understand? If he doesn't, he'll die. I said, he's not afraid to die. And I wish you could see the look on those people's faces. They looked at me they, like they had never heard such a thing. They looked, what? I said, he's not afraid to die. They had no answer for that. They had no, Because to people in the natural, this is all there is. I mean, this is it. But we know better. And we're not afraid to die. Come on, say it out loud. I'm not afraid to die. I'm saved. I know what happens to me. Hallelujah. When you get where you have no fear of death at all, oh, you get free. I said, you get free. 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 Well, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews 3, we said, let's talk some tonight about the effects of sin. Hebrews 3 and uh, 12. Hebrews 3, 12 says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, this is another study, and we won't take time to go into all the scriptures on it tonight, but you'll find that there's more than one word used for unbelief. Paul talked about God had mercy on me in his unbelief because of his ignorance. There is an unbelief that is because of being ignorant. That just means you don't know. You don't understand. 
But then in this passage, if you look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. There is a word for unbelief that basically means unpersuadable. It's different from being ignorant. You hear it, you see it, you know it, but you can't be persuaded. You won't accept it. You won't believe it. Now let's go back to what we've talked about already. We've looked at different definitions of what sin is from the Bible. We saw that, uh, you know, sin is transgression of the law. We saw that him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. We saw whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And we summed it up by saying this. If you look up the words, it bears it out. Sin is basically violation of light. Violation of light. And, you know, we went back and studied to where when Jesus healed the blind man. And, you know, the religious leaders of the day were there and really finding fault and trying to take him to task about it. And he said, I've come that those that are blind might see. And those that see, you know, he talked about both sides of it. And they said, well, are we blind? He said, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you say we see. So your sin remains. What does that mean? They knew and saw some things. That were right in his ministry. They recognized fulfillment of prophecy. But they refused to accept it. This is serious. This is sin. And this kind of sin. uh, Well all sin. But it leads to darkness. If you don't walk in the light that you have. It doesn't get lighter for you. It gets darker. You'll begin to see this right here in this passage. It says. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. Now, this is one reason you ought to have a good church family, right? We come together, we encourage each other, we do it as a family, we do it when we leave here in fellowship with one-on-one and couples and families and friends, exhorting one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be what? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Read that last phrase out loud with me, please. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And we're talking about the effects of sin. What is one of the major effects of sin on a person? It hardens them. Hardens them. Now... The opposite of hardening or hardened would be what? Soft, tender-hearted. Another way of saying that is sensitive. And another way of saying hardened is to say desensitized or dull. You know, uh, we were talking about some things uh, with some minister friends of ours a while back, and we're talking about certain issues of keeping things clean. And they and we had seen some situations where people had cleaned stuff and you couldn't tell it. And this man said to us, who's an elder of mine in the faith, he said, I don't think some people see it. I don't think they see it. They don't see the dirt. Anybody know what he's talking about? Yeah. It depends on where you live and how you live, too. Right? And if your standard is at a certain place, you don't notice it. Right? 
Well, see, that's what sin does to you. Violation of light desensitizes you and you don't see things. And you don't notice them. And you don't recognize it. And the further it goes, the duller you get and the dumber you get. Now, I know it sounds funny, but it's a fact. You'll be doing stuff that other people that are walking with God will go, why did you do that? And they'll go, I don't know. Well, why did they do it? Dull. How'd they get that dull? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If you keep giving in, you keep giving in, you get darker and duller and darker until you just, you don't see stuff. You don't see right and wrong. Now, it's a bad place to get in, isn't it? Hold your place here and go back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy and the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy 4. He said, now the Spirit speaks expressly or very specifically that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now, how many know you can't depart somewhere that you're not at? Right. Say, well, we departed Branson, but we were in New York. <laughs> no, you can't depart Branson unless you're in Branson. And they departed what? Faith. From the faith. So they had to have been in the faith. Right? Now, how did it happen? How could it happen that you're in the faith and you leave it? He describes it. They gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, do you understand? He's not talking about they went to a church of Satan. He's talking about teachings that came through so-called ministers and ministries and churches. And he calls them doctrines of devils. And he mentions a few of them here in just a moment we're going to see. But how did they get away By taking heed to those things. Is it important what you listen to? Oh, it's so important. Oh, it's so important. How many know the great things in your life? You can trace it back. The great things that have happened in your life in God. You can trace it back to where you begin to take heed to what he said. Right? You begin to heed his word to you and oh, your life begin to change. Well, like it can be so good, it can be so bad if you begin to take heed to the wrong thing. Listen to wrong things. And the thing is, it's not just that people are duped so easily. The thing is, notice, these people weren't just deceived beyond any ability of them to deal with this. They gave heed to it. And verse 2, they did what? They spoke lies in hypocrisy. See, they knew better. They spoke hypocritically and they spoke lies. Oh, friend, get this. Now, you know, it's quoted so many times from, what is it, Hosea, where he talks about my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's not the whole verse. The rest of the verse says, because they have rejected knowledge. God's very gracious. 
People don't just get off and go off the deep end just because they're hapless, helpless victims of the devil's deception. No, there comes a point where people see better and they know better and they decide to go with it anyway. That's where you begin to get off. As long as you're walking in all the light that you have, we spent a whole session on that some weeks before. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses on a continuous basis from all sin as long as I'm walking in the light. That's all you can do is walk in the light you have. If you don't know, you don't know. God doesn't hold us accountable for what we don't see and know. It's what you see and know that you decide to walk contrary to. That's when the door is opened to the enemy. And what happens. Oh, I've seen this in situations. It's sad. What happens when you see the truth. But you don't want it to be that way. What else is left? Huh? I've dealt with people before. And sometimes it took hours to get to a certain place in talking and finally say, well, you know, I've had people finally look at me and say, well, that, that may be true, <laughs> but I just want to have it that way. <laughs> well, if it's true, but you refuse it, what else is there? Lies. If you refuse the truth, there's nothing else but lies. Right. Oh, do you see this now? Yeah. Here, let's look at the word on it. Back up just a few pages. Second Thessalonians. Second chapter. He talks about the enemy. And the uh, coming. Verse 9. The coming. He said is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all what? Deceivableness of unrighteousness. Now, what is un- unrighteousness is another word for sin. Deceivableness of unrighteousness. And that would agree with what we just read because he warned that we not be hardened through the deceitfulness or the deceivableness of sin in them that perish. Now, here are people who perished. Why? Read the next words. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness why were they deceived why did they perish because they would not receive the love of the truth they saw the truth they knew it was there they knew it was right But uh uh-uh, I don't want it. I don't want it that way. I don't care if it is Bible. I don't care if God did say that. Uh Uh-uh, nope. Well, now what's left for you? There's nothing left. If you don't receive the truth, what else is there to believe? Only lies. When you believe a lie, you are deluded. You are deceived. And here's the thing. When you step off into that, the further you go, the darker it gets. It's dangerous not to walk in the light that you have. You know, 
If you identify completely with this book, if you identify completely with Jesus, you're going to get some persecution. Thank you for those three amens. The Bible says, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to get some persecution. And people, so many times, don't want it. If you get hungry for God and you press into him, next thing you know, you'll probably be speaking in tongues. (laughs) Not everybody's going to like that. There are whole churches and organizations that won't receive you if you do. But if you do, how are you going to deny it? If you're caught up with God in the nighttime in your bedroom and he comes on you and fills you and you speak in tongues like a blue streak half the night. And you come and somebody says, no, that ain't right. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You only got two options. Walk in the light you have. Right? Or deny it. And if you deny it, you know what's true. You've been there. You've experienced. If you deny it, what else is there for you to believe and say? Lies. If you'd say, well, okay, I don't know. I guess I just got excited. (laughs) Yeah, that speaking with tongues is of the devil. I don't even like saying it for teaching purposes. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, if somebody really doesn't know any better, it's one thing. But for somebody who's experienced this with God, it's serious. You are denying what you know to be true. If you've been healed, you've been healed. Right? Is somebody coming telling you that healing's all passed away? That's like telling a man in the swimming pool, doing the backstroke. Ain't no water in there. There's no, all water is passed away. There's no water in the pool anymore. You're wet. You're swimming. How can you agree there's no water in the pool when you're wet? A man or woman with an experience in God is never at the expense of somebody with an argument. You know what I mean by that? They want to argue and fuss about something they have no experience in. Right? You know, next time somebody wants to talk about some of these things, well, I don't believe in that. Well, have you received it? Well, no. Well, then you're not qualified to talk on the subject. Right? No. You need to be quiet. People who have are qualified to talk about it. (laughs) Is that right? They did not receive the love of the truth. Now what we're talking about. We just read this. Go to Hebrews. 
book of Hebrews, sixth chapter. This deals with what some people call the unpardonable sin or unforgivable sin, sin unto death. Some scribes talk about it. It's better if you don't use your own words for things, but you use the words that are in the Bible. Because whole erroneous doctrines have developed out of people putting their own monikers and titles on things. There are numbers of people in mental institutions today have lost their mind. And if you talk to them, they believe they've committed the so-called unpardonable sin and there's no hope for them and there's no salvation. I mean, it's happened too many times to talk about. And it is so sad because so many of probably most of them don't even know what it is. They don't even know what they're talking about. And the devil takes advantage of their ignorance and convinces them that they have committed the unpardonable sin and there is no hope for them. I've talked to people, people that I've known fairly well, that were in church and I mean just fully involved in the things of God and then messed up real bad and decided, well, I've blown it anyway now, I might as well just... Do anything I'm big enough to do because I'm lost anyway. That is a lie. That is a deception. Let me tell you, if you ever deal with anybody like this or the devil tries to mess with you in this area, let me tell you, it's very, very simple. Brother Keith, have I committed the unpardonable sin? And again, this is a term people use. Have I? Real simple. Real simple. If you asked me that, I'd look at you and I'd say, do you want to be right with God? And if you said, oh yeah, brother Keith, more than anything, then there's no way you've committed this sin. Did you hear me? Somebody said, how do you know? Because of the Bible, right? We're about to read it right here. It's just as plain as can be, but people have twisted it all up. If you want to be right with God. You have not committed the so-called unpardonable sin. Let's read it right here. Hebrews 6. Verse 4. For it is impossible. Now this is a strong word. Impossible. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now let's just stop right here. What did it say it was impossible to do? Renew them again again to what? To repentance. What does that mean? You can't get them to repent. They won't repent. Somebody that has really done this. You can go and beg them to get back to God. And they'll probably cuss you. You understand that? No. A person who says. 
But please pray with me. I know I've messed up terrible, but I want to serve God. I want to be saved. I want to get back to God. They have not done this. They want to repent. It's easy to renew them to repentance. Right? So they can't have done this. But now let's go over what they must have done to even be capable of the situation. Go over the list again with me. If they've done what? If they've been once enlightened. What does that mean? Enlightened means you see that you're lost. You see your need of uh, salvation. You see that Jesus paid the price for you, right? You're enlightened. And then next what? Tasted of the heavenly gift. Jesus is called the heavenly gift. Hallelujah. This is being born again. Right? So you've been enlightened. You've been born again. What else? Partakers of the Holy Ghost. This is somebody who's been filled with the Spirit. They've been enlightened. They've been born again. They've been filled with the Spirit. Tongue talker. What else? Tasted of the good word. And if you keep reading, you know... uh, we're in 6, uh, 4. If you just back up, what? 1, 2, 3, 4 verses. You can see, keep it in context of what he's been talking about. He talked about verse 13. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He's a babe. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. What's he talking about? Have tasted the good word of God. He's talking about somebody that's gone past milk. Do you see this? And have tasted of the substantial word of God. And what else? Powers of the world to come. What is that? That's the gifts of the Spirit. And that's exciting because when we operate in some of these things, we're tapping into what is the normal environment of our future. That's exciting, isn't it? We ought to get ready, shouldn't we? We ought to get acclimated. Right? How many understand in the world to come that God's created for us, word of knowledge is just a normal thing and you operate at a high level. So much of what you know, you didn't hear, you didn't learn, you didn't figure out, you just know it. Whoo, glory to God. Powers, miracle working power. Powers of the world to come. Now let's talk about this. Could a baby Christian do this? No. 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 You got to be born again, enlightened, and taste of the heavenly gift, born again, receive the Holy Ghost, tasted of the good word, you've advanced some in the word of righteousness and the powers of the world to come. This is a person who knows God, who's been filled with the Spirit, who operates in the gifts of the Spirit, who has a working knowledge of the word of God. This is not a baby. Because see, if a baby, if a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old looks at you and goes, I hate you. That's one thing. A 21-year-old look at you and go, I hate you, is another thing. Right? It's a completely other thing. God's merciful to babies' ignorance. And a lot of these folk that talk about that's of the devil and this is of the healings of the devil and talking with tongues of the devil, if they weren't so ignorant, they'd be in trouble. Did you hear me? But they really are ignorant. They really don't see it. They don't know it. But you take a man or woman who's walked in the counsel of God 
operated under the strong anointing of the power of God, gotten much wisdom and revelation from the scripture, and then for them to say, I don't want God anymore. No, I want worldly fame. I want this. I want to live like I want to. I want to do this. They know what they're doing. Did you hear me? This is not ignorance. Now see, the reason I went through all this again is because what's happening here? They are violating light. They know better. That's why this is so grievous. They know better. For them to do that, if you do that, then what you're saying is the blood of Jesus is nothing. The redemptive work of Jesus is nothing. That's what you're saying. I've been there. I tried it all. I did it all. It's nothing. I'm going back to the world. Oh, you've stepped on the blood. You've spit on the cross. And when a person does that, you can't get them to repent. Can't get them to. You could try. You could plead with them. Please get back to God. No, they won't. They'll probably cuss you. I'll never do that. How about you? <laughs> I said, you believe in one saved, always saved? I believe in saved as long as you want to be saved. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you want God, as long as you want to serve and obey him. But what do you mean once saved, always saved? Are you saying that you could never reject God? Then you're acting like you don't have a will. You have a will. You can do stupid things if you decide to. Everybody say, not me. me. I love God. God. I'm staying with God. God. There ain't nothing better. There is nothing better than him. This life or the next. I'm staying with him. But in order to do that, to love him, you must love the truth. He is the truth. And to love the truth, when you see the truth, even if it makes you look bad, even if it shines up problems in your life, you receive the love of the truth. You know, when people are arguing and fussing and fighting, it should not be about who's right. It should be about what's right. Completely different thing. Husbands and wives get to fighting. People get to fighting in church. Well, I'm right. No, God's right. The word is right. I'm right. No, I'm right. And it gets into who's right. I've had people want to pull me in. Well, mediate for us. Tell us who's right. I already know. I don't have to go. God's right. He's all, he's the only one who's right about everything all the time. His word is right. If I'm hooked up with his word, I'll be in the right. If I get away from his word, I'll be wrong. And if I ever disagree with him, if I ever disagree with his word, I'm always wrong. And he's always right. Always. Anytime you ever disagree with him, you're wrong. Every time. But see, people get tired of him being right. Oh, can I meddle a little bit here? Are y'all believing with me now? Come on. Believe with me. People get tired 
of mom and daddy being right all the time. Well, they're right. I'm tired of it. People get tired of their spouse being right. Well, so I don't want to hear it. Well, if you know it's right and you don't want to hear it, what else is left? The only thing that remains when you reject truth is lies. The devil is standing by hoping that you will reject the truth. Because if you do, that's the open door for him. He's right there when you go, I see it, but I don't want it that way. Yeah, I know it. I, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I'm sick and tired of it. Sick and tired of them always being right. I don't care. Now, the devil is right there. Right to your mind. He'll say, yeah, this is, yeah, believe this. It ain't true, but it's something else to believe. And he's there to offer you a whole smorgasbord buffet of alternate choices to the truth because he is the father of lies. When he talks lies, he's talking his own language. And when you want to talk lies, he's your man. Huh? Well, I, I know it, but I just don't want it to be that way. And the devil will go, well, how about like this? Yeah. It's really not your fault because if they'd have done this and they'd have helped you and really, I mean, you have to stand on your head and think backwards, but really it's their fault. (laughs) And your flesh goes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to throw logic away and forget about truth. But if you twist it around hard enough, you can make it their fault completely that they didn't help you and they're the ones that caused you to mess up yeah that yeah how many know what I'm talking about oh and when you do oh you have started down a path of death the deceitfulness of sin what does it do it hardens you And you get harder and harder. And you get where nobody can talk to you. And then the devil comes. And he is the the one who is always trying to instill fear. And he tells you. See they don't really love you. They never did. And they don't love you. And they don't love you either. And nobody loves you. It's just you. And God. Nobody. Nobody really cares. And see what he wants to do is isolate you. So that when truth tries to come through people who love you, uh uh-uh, no, you don't want to hear it. No, because you don't trust them anymore. I don't trust them. Mm -mm. And you begin to be suspicious of everything. What's happening? You are drifting towards a complete environment of fear. Afraid of everything. Afraid of everybody. And what's happening? You think it's just people, but your trust in God is eroding. We're able to... Live with people and trust people with the faith we have in God. It's all interconnected. It's dangerous to reject light. Can you see that? Go back to uh, Timothy. First Timothy. We're talking about the effects of sin. 
Is it bad stuff? Oh, it's bad stuff. What is sin? What simple definition that we've talked about? Violation of light. When you see it, you know it. But you choose to do something else. You choose to go with something else. What happens? Then you begin to be deceived. And you begin to be hardened. How do people get so hard? It happened somewhere in the world today more than once. That somebody put a gun barrel in somebody's face. And took a human life over a few pieces of paper in their pocket. And walked away. And went and partied. How do you get that hard? Where you don't see. It doesn't even move you. To see the life leave the body. And to know that you robbed a mother. And robbed a wife. And robbed a child. Doesn't even bother you. How would you get like that? It didn't start yesterday. It didn't start the week before. What happens? You knew better. But you chose another way. You chose alternate to the truth and you got harder and you did it again and you got harder and you did it again and you got harder and here he talks about people now we're not just talking about unsaved people here now people who were in the faith right keep reading first timothy four he said the spirit speaks especially in the latter time some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having what? Their conscience seared with a hot iron. What happens when something is seared? It loses its feeling. Thick scar tissue. Would replace it. If it was bad enough especially. It could be completely devoid of feelings. Thick. And unfeeling. See that's what Jesus said. In fact hold your place here. Go to the book of Acts. This is quoting. What Jesus said. And he was quoting from the Old Testament. In Acts 28. Notice this. How many believe God really used Paul? Oh my. How many believe the man was learned in the scripture? And anointed. How many believe when he preached and taught, you could get something? Well, this describes him doing that. Look at Acts 28, verse 23. Acts 28, 23. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Now that's a lot longer than I usually go. <laughs> See, I'm going really short. And you didn't know it. Morning till evening. How many hours is that? Depends on what time of the year. I guess you're talking about 12 hours, 10 hours, 12, 14. I don't know. Long time. And what did he do? Did he cover some ground? Brother. This was the whole scripture they had. 
the New Testament was being written. He used all the law, all the prophets, and he preached from Genesis to Malachi, which today it would be like from Genesis to Revelation, showing that Jesus is the one. He is the, I'd like to have those tapes. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'm telling you. It was so outstanding, it's recorded in the Bible for all time. It was some preaching and teaching going on for 12 hours straight. He had to be anointed to go that long. Now notice the results. Verse 24. And every soul within hearing distance ran to the altar and... Huh? Because it was powerful, brother. No? It doesn't matter how powerful it is. It doesn't matter if Paul himself is preaching, if Jesus himself was preaching. Same thing happened in his ministry. Right? What was the result? Some believed the things which were spoken and what? Some believed not. Now that doesn't just mean that some didn't see it. And we keep reading, you'll see it has to do with this unpersuadable unbelief. See it, but don't want it that way. Famous last words of dying churches are, we've never done it that way before. We never heard it like that. If you're growing, you're always going to be seeing something you hadn't seen before. Some believed. Some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. He had some closing remarks after those 12 hours. (laughs) He said, well, one thing in closing after 12 hours. Well spoke the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. Why? Because it's too hard for you to get? No. It's too advanced for you to comprehend, understand. You're not educated? No. No. Got nothing to do with any of these things. Why? For the heart... This is not your mind. What? The heart of this people is waxed gross. Now that's exactly the same kind of idea. It means thick and unfeeling. It's the same kind of idea as conscience seared. Heart is waxed gross, thick and insensitive and unfeeling. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Now he's quoting from Isaiah. Jesus quoted Isaiah in Matthew 13, more than one place. Well, in fact, you ought to turn there, Matthew 13. I could read it to you, but you turn there. Matthew 13. Let me go over it again now. How many believe the Holy Ghost was in that place? How many believe Paul was a real man of God? Was God speaking through Paul? Were these, all these people, a bunch of them were there. 
Were they not just hearing a man talk, but were they hearing God himself talk through this man? I mean, he wasn't just rambling about what he thought. You talk about skilled at using the word of God. He used all the word they had. You talk about backing stuff up with scripture, brother. It was God talking to him that day, all day long. And what happened? Some believed. And what? Some didn't. Why? He quoted to him why. He said, people will hear but won't hear. They'll see but they won't see. Why? Because their heart has waxed gross. Now, look at the way Jesus quoted this. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 13. He said, therefore, speak I to them in parables. Matthew 13, 13. Because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Now, people just stop at that and don't see why. He goes on to say exactly why. For in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing you'll see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. Now read this next phrase with me. And their eyes. Who? Who closed their eyes? Why did they close their eyes? They saw it. But they didn't want it that way. And when you violate light. And you reject truth. What's left? Nothing else to believe. If you reject the truth, there's nothing else to believe but lies. He said their eyes, they have closed. Lest any time they should hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, changed, repent, you know, and I should heal them. Oh, but get the next part. He didn't end just on that. What did he say? Verse 16, but what? Blessed Blessed are. You need to write M-Y right up above there. Blessed are. Come on, say it out loud. Blessed are my eyes for they see and my ears for they hear. Hallelujah. He said, Verily I say to you, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things you hear and have not heard them. Oh, he is revealing things to us in this time. That eye is not seen, and ear is not heard. But for those who receive the truth, no matter how different it is to their tradition or their unbelief that somebody else has talked about, when you see the light and you go, that's true. I don't care what ain't many believed. (laughs) That's true. It's right there in the Bible. I don't care what our denomination has believed for a hundred years. There it is right there. Right? When you do that, oh, glory to God, then more light comes to you. And you get healed. And you get restored. Do you see that in there? You get healed. You get restored. Oh, glory to God. Stand on your feet, why don't you? Oh, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands. Come on, begin to praise Him some.
Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Come on, praise him, son. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We praise your holy name. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.